You're listening to the Nutrition by Lex podcast with Alexis Roberts, a dietetic graduate student and soon-to-be registered dietitian. Hi guys, welcome back to the Nutrition by Lex podcast. I'm here with Sam Abbott and we're going to be talking all about PCOS today. So Sam, do you want to just kind of introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are and what you do? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I really, um, I'm really excited to be here. Um, so my name is Sam and I run the Instagram account PCOS.nutritionist. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist and I really help people with PCOS um, understand the syndrome, improve their hormone balance, improve insulin resistance, and really focus on these things from a non-diet approach. Um, so I've been a registered dietitian um, whew, for a little while now, and I had had a brick and mortar practice in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I live. And um, throughout everything with COVID-19, I've had to transition to virtual services, and that really allowed me um, an opportunity to expand my business. And um, I spent a lot of time on Instagram, and I've I really enjoyed getting to know um, everybody on there. Yeah, I definitely relate to that with spending a lot of time on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's so social media is amazing the way that you can um, connect with people and learn, learn new information. And I've been able to connect with so many amazing people in the PCOS community. So it's been great. Right. It's so amazing. Like we wouldn't be here doing this podcast together if it wasn't for Instagram. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So I would love for you to just tell your story to everyone about PCOS because some people might have no idea what we're talking about right now. Um, so if you could just kind of explain what PCOS is and, and is and tell your story about it, that would be amazing and super beneficial for everyone listening. Right. Yeah, definitely. Of course. Um, so PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. It is a metabolic, hormonal, and reproductive disorder. It affects at least 10%, if not more, up to 15% of women. And, you know, when I say the word um, women, I definitely want to acknowledge that not everyone with PCOS identifies um, as female. Um, but PCOS is a leading cause of anovulatory infertility in women. And um, I think that this is a significant thing to bring up. Um, it's classified as a reproductive disorder with the NIH, which is where a lot of funding for research comes from. So a lot of, and I'm sure we'll talk about this as we go on in the conversation, but a lot of the discussion around PCOS is really about fertility, um, when really we know that PCOS greatly um, affects your overall health. Um, people who have PCOS are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes, sleep apnea, fatty liver, heart disease. Um, our hormones are so closely interconnected with our metabolic system. That's why. Um, so there's a really big push um, with PCOS advocacy to expand this classification with the NIH so that it can be classified as a metabolic disorder and receive more funding. That way there can be um, better healthcare and medical care for people with PCOS. Um, so in terms of my story, um, you know, when I started my nutrition private practice, which is called G&G &G Nutrition Company, 
of course I had no idea what I was doing when I first, when I first started my business. So I was just kind of seeing hey, a little bit of, of it. So, um, yeah, I, I was just kind of seeing a little bit of everything and, um, I'm a weight inclusive dietitian, meaning that I really just view weight as an outcome. It might be a symptom of something else going on, but typically focusing on weight generally does not help people improve their health or well-being long-term. Um, and I just kept receiving client after client after client who had PCOS and they were just being told to lose weight and they felt really confused about um, what they were supposed to be doing to improve their hormone balance, improve their PCOS symptoms, um, which can be anything from a missing period to acne to hirsutism, which is excess hair growth or even um, male pattern hair loss on top of the head. So um, I didn't know a lot about PCOS at the time. So I just tried to learn as much as I could. And on top of that, my sister actually has PCOS and has experienced a lot of the um, symptoms that my clients struggle with. And I can really relate back to her experience of uh, most people that have PCOS are kind of bounced around from doctor to doctor trying to get a diagnosis. Um, they're not really being a lot of awareness around the nutrition and lifestyle treatments that can improve hormone imbalances associated with PCOS. So I definitely had a level of um, sympathy for my clients and the people I was working with, even though I don't have PCOS myself, just from seeing my sister and even some of my friends as well, um, struggle with this syndrome. Moving into that, seeing those struggles in with your friends and your sister and stuff, what are some of the things that you've witnessed that they've had to go through with their journey with PCOS? Right. Well, um, one of the hardest things with PCOS is that one of the primary symptoms in um, with PCOS, now granted their PCOS can look different in different people. So not everyone gains weight, but one of the primary symptoms for most people to have PCOS is weight gain. And, you know, PCOS, if anybody listening has PCOS, developing PCOS is not your fault. Um, and some of these hormonal imbalances can really cause a pretty significant weight gain, even in a short amount of time. Um, and I think a, a really big struggle is um, our healthcare system is very weight centric. Right. And unfortunately, um, weight bias really is really an issue with people who have PCOS. So when I say weight bias, I just mean that maybe a healthcare provider is making an assumption about you and your lifestyle and your behaviors just based off of your weight before really asking you about those specifics. So um, some of the struggles that I see my clients and the people I work with face are difficulty getting a diagnosis, having to go to three to four different doctors, um, just being told to lose weight, try harder, um, so really not being properly screened. Um, another, another big struggle is not really getting a lot of information once they get a diagnosis. So maybe their doctor will say, okay, well, you have PCOS, just come back when you want to get pregnant. And meanwhile, um, 
maybe somebody is really struggling with some of the symptoms, not feeling well, having poor energy levels. Um, there's a big association with PCOS and anxiety and depression as well. So um, not really receiving holistic care with a diagnosis. Um, and then also in terms of the, if a nutrition recommendation is made to somebody with PCOS, it's typically something very drastic like yeah. the keto diet or intermittent fasting, right. um, all things that we know are really not effective at treating the root issues of PCOS and they're not really maintainable long-term. Um, right. So I feel like it's almost like setting somebody up for failure. You know, they're jumping through hoops. They don't trust their healthcare provider. They feel bad about themselves. Well, yeah, especially after hearing you say that some physicians are like, oh, just come back when you want to get pregnant. That's really the only thing that people associate it with is not being able to get pregnant and fertility when there's so much more that goes along with it as well. That's scary for me to hear you say that someone is like, just been like, oh yeah, you have PCOS, but just come back whenever you want to get pregnant, like years down the line and don't do anything about it now. Like what? That's crazy. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of the symptoms and issues that come along with PCOS can really affect quality of life. Um, right. You know, if you're feeling chronically fatigued, um, if you're not sleeping well, there's a very close association with PCOS and sleep apnea. Um, so somebody may be sleeping nine or 10 hours per night, but they're still feeling exhausted because they have sleep apnea. Um, so that's another big thing as well. And then of course, you know, with nutrition, um, there seems to be a really big focus on eliminating carbohydrates out of the diet, which is definitely not necessary. And so I find that a lot of people that have PCOS are kind of in this really bad diet cycle of where they're trying diet after diet and then they're kind of not able to stick with these changes that they're trying to make and then they're feeling very poorly about themselves and, right. and they're just in a bad space until they start everything over again. Right. It's a huge part of the misconception that has to do with a lot of things with PCOS and like dieting doesn't work in general. So why do we think it'll work to cure this? <laughs> so right. we're deep into like the misconceptions um, in a minute, but I just kind of want to talk about how is this diagnosed? I know this is like a huge thing for, like you said, it's misdiagnosed. And like we were talking about right before we started recording, I think you said 50% or something like that. There's so many people walking around out there and if they're not diagnosed with it and they still don't know what's wrong with them. So how is this PCOS diagnosed in people. Right, right. Yes. And I think what we were talking about before we started recording was that half of the people out there who have PCOS may not have even been diagnosed yet. Um, so the criteria for diagnosing PCOS has definitely changed throughout the years and it's always evolving. Um, a, a very popular diagnostic tool um, is the Rotterdam criteria. So if anybody listening wants to look that up, you can Google it and read, read all about it. Um, it was developed in 2003. But under the Rotterdam criteria, they list three pieces of criteria and you have to meet two of them. Um, so those three pieces, um, number one would be an irregular or um, absent period. Or when I say period, I'm really talking about ovulation. Right. Um, but of course, to us, what we would experience is a really a missing or a regular period. Um, you can't have a period and not ovulate though. Um, another, or you can have a bleed and not ovulate, I should say. Um, the second 
piece of criteria would be either labs or symptoms of elevated androgens. So um, those symptoms, which I think we're all familiar with, are acne, the hirsutism, um, hair loss, male pattern balding or hair loss at the top of the head. Um, With the hirsutism, we see that um, on the face, on the chest, on the stomach. Um, And then lastly would be polycystic ovaries. So under the um, Rotterdam criteria, they describe that as greater than 12 follicles on your ovaries. So that presents as like a string of pearl look on an ultrasound. Um, Since then, as technology has improved and ultrasounds have improved, that has increased um, to 20, I think is the is what um, is suggested now. So sometimes when I'm working with clients, they'll say, well, I I never had an ultrasound. And under the Rotterdam criteria, you may not necessarily need an ultrasound if you meet the other two pieces of diagnostic criteria. Because it's just two out of three, right? Right. And then um, a couple years later, the Androgen Access Society came out and said that if you if you receive a PCOS diagnosis, part of that is you have to have the, the androgen piece of things, the excess androgens. So there is, I feel like there's um, a lot of inconsistency that I see with, with a diagnosis. And I think another thing to bring up is that being diagnosed with PCOS is more, it's more a diagnosis of exclusion meaning that they're looking into all of the reasons why you could possibly not be having a period. And if they eliminate all other reasons, then um, you would receive a PCOS diagnosis. Um, So some other things to look into, um, for sure, a big one is thyroid health, because um, having issues with your thyroid can, a lot of the symptoms related to hair loss, period issues, fatigue, um, even weight gain, that can be related to thyroid problems. Um, Issues with your adrenal gland, that's another one. Um, In terms of lean PCOS, a lot of times I see this in my practice is somebody is misdiagnosed with PCOS and they actually suffer from hypothalamic amenorrhea where either someone is under eating or over exercising. Um, and that is really causing them to lose their period. So that's another one too. Um, another thing I should mention too, for, for people that have really long periods or a lot of irregular bleeding, it's really important to stay in conversation with your provider and get screened for other issues um, related to your reproductive system. I mean, um, endometriosis, other types of ovarian cysts. There are a lot of things that can be going on and a lot of symptoms that really overlap with, with symptoms of PCOS. Yeah, so do you think that's why PCOS is just kind of overlooked so much of the time? Because there's so many other aspects that are also having the same type of symptoms and it's just kind of one of those things that um, people really don't think about at first. Like they think about, obviously pregnancy probably comes up first whenever it's talking about missed periods. And then when that's thrown out, it's like, okay, um, what about endometriosis and things like that, that you probably hear that are more common and commonly talked about, I should say not more common in the health world, but commonly talked about. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there are two things 
Okay. One is I think with um, having an irregular missing period, you know, we do have an option of taking birth control. Right. And, you know, we know that if you start taking the birth control pill, you would have a monthly bleed, but you're not actually ovulating. That's not a true period. But I think if somebody is having period concerns or, or issues with their period, that comes across as being a simple solution. So instead of digging into, okay, well, why are you having these issues? Um, they're just sort of managed without an appropriate diagnosis, which I think if anybody listening has experienced that, I would definitely try to dig a little deeper just from the metabolic aspect of PCOS and do you have this underlying syndrome that could be affecting your health long-term? Um, so that's number one. And then I think number two is one of the main symptoms outside of periods is really weight gain that I see in a lot of my clients. And the way that it is described is, you know, I was not changing anything with my nutrition or exercise or lifestyle or anything. And then all of a sudden I just gained a drastic amount of weight. And I think that um, what I see a lot with my clients is if they're really trying to investigate this with their provider, a lot of times they're told, well, just eat less or exercise more, or maybe there are some assumptions made about them. So they're not really receiving inappropriate um, screening for PCOS. Right. People are just going to those typical ways to lose weight when in, in reality, that doesn't work for a PCOS patient. Right. Awesome. Okay. So then next I want to talk about the types of treatments that PCOS patients go through. Um, so I know there's a lot of misconception when it comes to treatment and stuff. So we can kind of tie the treatments of what actually works and like flowing into the misconceptions that we hear all the time and that are on social media and things like that. Cause I'm sure you being on Instagram, you see things all the time and probably make you cringe. So <laughs> oh, yeah, I, social media is great, but that's definitely part of social media that isn't so great. So. Right. So, yeah. Right. So when we're looking at um, medical guidelines for treatment for PCOS and from the pharmaceutical side, yeah. really metformin, spironolactone, and um, birth control are what are commonly prescribed. So that probably sounds really familiar to, um, to people listening um, who have PCOS. Um, metformin, so we should probably back up and talk about, you know, in terms of what, what are some of the main root issues of PCOS. Yeah. Um, chronic inflammation and then elevated insulin levels are really what is usually driving these elevated androgen levels. Okay. Um, not everyone with PCOS has to have the elevated insulin. Not everyone, well, PCOS is an inflammatory condition. So typically people with PCOS do just have this kind of chronic low grade inflammation, which is not great or ideal for overall health. Um, but some people have more of an inflammatory type of PCOS where other people may have more of the insulin resistance piece of things. Um, so the metformin is really used to treat the elevated insulin levels. Um, Whereas spironolactone is used to just look, they're lowering your androgen levels, but um, maybe not treating those root issues. And then 
birth control is used to really, that can help with elevated androgen levels and the symptoms related to that, but also um, helping your body um, shed that lining. Um, and it's not, it's not a true period, um, but it is a monthly bleed. And I think something that really gets missed online because birth control, birth control um, is kind of villainized online a little bit. And I do think that there are cons to taking birth control, but a lot of people don't mention that one of the main reasons it's prescribed is because if you go too long without having a period and that, um, that endometrial lining builds up, that actually puts you at risk for cancer, um, endometrial cancer. And that's one of the reasons why um, people who have PCOS are at a higher risk of developing endometrial cancer. So um, I think that's really important for people that don't want to take birth control or can't take birth control. Um, sometimes I work with people who haven't had a period in five or six years. Oh, wow. And um, and I think they've just never really um, received that education on why it's important to have a semi-regular bleed. And, and um, that is really why, or part of the reason why birth control is, is prescribed for PCOS. Right. Um, yeah, so that's the pharmaceutical side of things. Um, do you want to hop into nutrition or do you want to talk yeah. about misconceptions first? We can totally, well, I think there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to nutrition and PCOS. So we can kind of tie them together. Some of the main ones that I personally hear, you can debunk them as much as you want. <laughs> okay. um, but the ones that I come across and I hear, and then I see on your page as well, how you're like talking about how they're not true. So we can kind of dive into them is we've, like, we've already touched on the avoiding carbs. Um, so like keto diet is pushed on a lot of people with PCOS and I personally just I'm not a fan of keto diet. Everyone listening knows that. Um, right. And then also higher protein levels is also pushed on people. And then um, avoiding gluten, soy, dairy, sugar, things along those lines. So, right, right. So <laughs> we can kind of go through these one by one. Okay. Um, dairy and gluten, I'm really not even sure where this started. Um, it's definitely, I know it's a frustration of mine. That piece of advice is a frustration amongst a lot of my colleagues. Um, mm -hmm. The studies about dairy are really inconclusive with PCOS. Um, some studies show that it can make um, PCOS worse and those hormone imbalances worse. Um, and then other studies actually show that full fat dairy can improve fertility. Okay. Um, so the advice is definitely inconclusive. Um, so this is really where I recommend getting in tune with your body and how you're feeling. Um, Definitely, if you're consuming full uh, fat free or low fat dairy, make the switch to full fat. That is a pretty, um, that's pretty conclusive advice there. But after that, you know, when you consume dairy, what happens with your symptoms? I mean, do you have a flare up of acne? Do you notice a difference in the um, hair thinning or hirsutism or anything related to your period? Right. Um, do you notice a difference in your energy levels and brain fog and feeling tired and fatigued? I would definitely go off of those symptoms. Um, I will say in my client population, it's not the norm that somebody has to 
remove dairy out of their diet to see an improvement in their labs and their symptoms yeah. um, or to regain their period. Cause that's one of the things that I do work with um, my clients on is especially, um, especially people that are not tolerating birth control or they cannot take birth control for medical reasons. Um, then they're really struggling to find a solution to help with PCOS. So um, yeah, that's not something that I commonly see in my practice. Now I will say gut health is super important for PCOS. So if you're somebody that's having chronic diarrhea or chronic constipation or bloating or something like that, you definitely want to do some digging there. So if you notice that you're having GI upset with dairy, then that would be a scenario where I would look into decreasing or eliminating it. But if you're not experiencing those issues and you're not experiencing the changes in symptoms, then I probably wouldn't worry about it. I love that you brought that up. Like I love, love, love that you brought that up because everyone that's listening and that's a regular listen of the podcast episode knows that I talk about gut health in every single episode because it has to do with everything. But I would love to talk about gut health all the time. <laughs> so I love that you brought that up and mentioned it and I didn't have to mention it because they're like, oh, here she goes again. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, yeah, and we actually have seen in studies that um, people with PCOS tend to have a less diverse gut microbiome than people okay. without PCOS. So we actually think that there's a link between gut health and PCOS. So education around gut health is considered to be part of the nutrition um, intervention piece of things. Um, So get your pre and probiotics, eat (laughs) foods. Y'all know the drill. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And you know, I think that that goes back um, to, uh, I see constipation a lot in people who are on a low carb diet, because when you're really, really coming back on carbs, you naturally eliminate a lot of fiber sources and fiber is important for gut health and for um, regulate. I'm trying to think of a good way to say it. <laughs> Regular bowel movements. Regular bowel movements. There we go. We're an open book here. We can talk about everything. We can right. say it through on this podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, it's a huge thing. Everyone knows I'm obsessed with it. Um, so yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up and touched on that as well. And I love that you've kind of debunked the whole dairy thing because that's been one that I see most often that are people like they're saying cutting out of your diet like dairy and carbs are probably the most common things that I Mm -hmm. see people saying about PCOS to cut out so I'm kind of glad to hear you say what you said about dairy because I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize and they're hearing a lot of misinformation about it right yeah and I think that especially on Instagram which I know is a popular place to run your business I would view anybody that's just giving blanket advice across the board, I would really view that as a red flag because PCOS is so individualized that I really can't look at you um, and just say, oh, well, you have PCOS, you need to do X, Y, and Z, because it really depends on your labs and your symptoms and how you're feeling. That's that's included with everything with help and nutrition, I think. Like it's right. PCOS, but that's why I tell all of my clients why I don't do group coaching because there's no way you can do group coaching and actually hit on every single thing that each person needs because everyone's needs are very different. That's why I only do one-on-one coaching. Um, so especially with PCOS and like nutrition and everything like that, it's very individualized. Everyone's different. Your body doesn't need what the next person needs and they don't need what you need. So it's just right. about figuring out what's best for your own unique body. 
Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we can carry this conversation into talking about gluten and there's really no research that supports eliminating gluten um, out of your diet with PCOS. Now, if you have a gluten intolerance or you see a difference in your symptoms or GI issues, then yes, that's a different conversation. But that's a whole nother topic. Um, like I have celiac disease, so that's why I cut gluten out. And if you guys ever think you have uh, a gluten intolerance or anything like that, I have a whole episode on my story with celiac disease. So go listen to that. But yeah, that's the only reason I cut it out. And I didn't like, if I could eat gluten, trust me, I would. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And um, free flour is no healthier than normal flour. <laughs> so exactly. And um, I think like something, and again, if you're trying to figure out all of this information on your own, I think some of these things kind of get lost, but a lot of products that are marketed as gluten-free, they've really been stripped of a lot of nutrients. They don't have as much fiber. They don't have as much protein. So um, really, if you do have celiac disease or gluten intolerance, you know, what are, what are some alternatives that you can find that you enjoy um, that can kind of give you some of the nutrients that you need that can help with your hormone imbalances. And, and y'all stick to like, try to stick mainly to whole foods, like rice, mm-hmm. quinoa, potatoes, sweet potatoes, all of those things. And like, you're going to get your carbohydrates in and stuff like that, that you need and like vitamins, minerals, and all of those good nutrient micronutrient stuff that you need. And those are all naturally gluten-free. There's no process that's not put through a factory or anything like that. It comes from a garden. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's an easiest, the easiest way to get in what you need for your nutrients wise while still being gluten-free. That's what I focus on. I don't, I do have the man-made gluten-free stuff every once in a while, but it's not the basis of my diet, so to say. Well, yeah, and definitely, and you know, and me saying that, I definitely didn't, um, wasn't intending to villainize processed foods because it's definitely, well, first of all, all foods are processed in some way, but I think I was more, uh, more just pointing out for people that do not really need to be eliminating gluten. Not all processed foods are bad. Um, It's not the culprit of all evil, but we just want to emphasize that gluten-free things aren't necessarily healthier things. Right, exactly. Like just because you're choosing something that gluten that is gluten-free doesn't mean it's nutritionally equivalent to exactly. a whole grain product or whatever. So yeah, for sure. Um so we talked about dairy, we talked about gluten. Um with soy, um I do recommend choosing like whole soy products so that you're you're making sure that you're getting all of the nutrients in soy, but people with PCOS definitely don't need to eliminate soy and actually soy products um, like whole soy, like tofu or tempeh can be a great option for somebody who is vegetarian or vegan and is still um, working towards meeting their protein needs. Yeah. But that's also me with a vegetarian. Like I, I love tofu. A lot of people don't like it. I'm very thankful mm-hmm. that I'm vegetarian and I also love tofu because that, that helps me get my protein in and stuff throughout the day. Um, but yeah, so th- I was very interested to see what you were going to say about the whole soy products. Cause there, there's a lot of misconception about soy around soy in general. Um, so there's a lot of misconception about around nutrient nutrition and everything in general, honestly. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. And you know, with, with sugar, and I think we can kind of tie in carbs with this, yeah. um, <sighs> carbs. <laughs> so 
One of the root issues of PCOS is often insulin resistance. Um, I think there's a statistic that 75% of people with PCOS have insulin resistance. And if you have a symptom of weight gain, or I think that the statistic is a BMI above 30, then that jumps up to like 90 or 95% chance of being insulin resistant, which makes sense because a symptom of insulin resistance is weight gain. Mm-hmm. Um, so carbohydrates often get looped into, into that conversation. And I think the advice of eliminating carbohydrates is really not helpful for anybody. Um, because we do need carbohydrates for energy. And if we try to completely eliminate them, our body really tries to overcompensate with that through cravings, constant hunger, not, not having good energy and things like that. Um, I definitely like to focus on how can we use carbohydrates efficiently um, in terms of how carbohydrates affect our blood sugar and affect our insulin levels. Um, that really depends on what types of carbohydrates are we eating and what are we eating them with. So having a baked potato by itself is completely different than having a baked potato with a piece of salmon. Right. You know, the salmon has um, fat and protein in, in it, and that um, really slows down the digestion of the carbohydrates and helps to prevent a big spike in um in your insulin levels when you are digesting food. Um, so including fiber can help with that as well. So either choosing um, a carbohydrate that's higher in fiber, like a whole grain um, or a starchy vegetable, or there are other vegetables that aren't considered a starchy vegetable that are higher in fiber too, like broccoli. So um, there's a little bit of mindfulness involved in the process of nutrition and eating for PCOS um, if you have insulin resistance, but it's not black and white. Um, and you can definitely still eat and enjoy carbohydrates. And I often find that when people are focused on eliminating carbohydrates, they may be missing some key points in addressing um, that inflammation and the insulin resistance. And to tie into this conversation about sugar, um, you know, there sugar is part of the conversation in terms of inflammation and in terms of insulin resistance. Um, But I'm not aware of any study that says if you're having, um, if you're overall mindful of the types of things that you're eating, can you still enjoy something that has sugar in it? Um, I mean, I think saying that you can't have any added sugar at all is not necessary. Yeah, exactly. something really sad. One of my clients yesterday asked me if she was allowed to have a brownie. Yes. And, Go for it. Eat your brownie. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that what, I think that a big issue with, with nutrition in general, and especially nutrition for PCOS is it seems like people approach nutrition in terms of, okay, well, what do I need to cut out? What do I need to restrict? And when really we should be asking ourselves, okay, what's going to help my health condition, but also how do I feel? Do I enjoy this food? Is it satisfying? I mean, you absolutely can eat things that have fiber and protein and fat and can help decrease inflammation, but are still enjoyable. Um, And then you shouldn't feel guilty if you want to have a brownie or a cookie or a glass of wine or whatever. 
Yeah, it's a glass half full and glass half empty mentality, honestly. Whenever you're just wanting to take away, take away, take away, restrict, restrict, restrict. In reality, you should be thinking, okay, what can I add to my diet even? Like colors, um, different variety of foods and things like that. And what I'm hearing you say with the carbs, especially with pairing it with like a piece of salmon or something like that with proteins and fats for slower digestion, this comes back to just having an overall well-balanced plate. And that doesn't mean eating less. That just means eating a variety and making sure you're getting like your proteins, carbs and fats and fiber and things like that in at every meal and not being afraid of eating something and like super restrictive. Cause that's when we fall right. into that, that vicious cycle of restricting and overeating as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I actually, um, find with a lot of people that I work with is once we switch the mentality and we stop focusing on restricting things and we instead turn things into, okay, what can we add, but also how, how are you feeling throughout this process? Um, A lot of the cravings and binges and back and forth with eating seem to disappear or level out. Yeah, mindful eating is huge and just being mindful throughout your day and like your your physical movement and everything you do. I know my fire alarm went off a minute ago, you guys, and we had to take a break. And so as <laughs> during, during our break, um, we were talking about just like overall holistic health and how it has a huge thing to play into this. And my I just did a previous episode with someone else on holistic health. So if you guys haven't listened to that, go listen to it already but it plays a huge role into your overall health um, and just being super mindful with everything you're doing when it comes to your nutrition and everything like that. Um, So I know you mentioned at the very beginning that you're really big on holistic health as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking of that, I think something, because we've talked so much about nutrition, I think it's really important to bring up that PCOS, um, whether it's the hormonal imbalances itself or some of the experiences that come along with having PCOS, it can really, really affect your mental health and well-being. And like we were talking about, there's a tie with anxiety and depression and sleep issues and feeling fatigued and things like that. So when we're talking about holistic health, there are so many different areas of wellness. You have autonomy in your own wellness and healthcare. So you can make the decision on what you want to focus on or what feels good to you. And you know what, if you're not sleeping well, and you feel like addressing that or getting screened for sleep apnea is what is going to help you. And that's what you want to focus on. And in nutrition is not a priority for you, or that's not important to you that's your own decision. And there, right. that there's not a right or wrong way to approach PCOS. And I think I think that's something that really gets lost in, in a lot of nutrition conversations is really making people feel guilty if they're not eating a certain way or trying to quote unquote balance your plate, where in reality, we only have so much mental energy to think about things throughout the day and addressing health is, is a huge, it's a huge energy suck. And so I do have a lot of clients where they're actually working on things that aren't related to nutrition, but they're building a foundation to have a happier and more enjoyable life overall. Yeah. So I think anybody listening who's in that place, like that's completely okay too. 100%. Like 
take your time and work on what works best for you. Like, like we said, it's different for everyone. So for everyone listening, what would be some things that you could suggest for them to try out um, when it comes to the holistic side and the mindfulness side to try and get into a better place mentally and physically with their PCOS if they are currently dealing with it or if they think they might be dealing with it? Right. Yeah. So I think um, the first thing that I would recommend is really working on building a healthcare team that you feel like supports you and has your best interest in mind. Um, You should not, yeah, you shouldn't dread going to the doctor or have anxiety going to the doctor. And I know a lot of my clients have that experience and it really just breaks my heart of like sitting in their car crying before they go in to see the doctor. I mean, that should not be your experience with healthcare. So that would really be step number one. Um, Step number two, I would really think about your stress levels and your mental health and how are you caring for yourself overall? Um, And just kind of doing an inventory, um, you know, the areas of wellness are stress, sleep, um, mental health, movement, and nutrition. So when you're thinking about those, is there anything that's standing in your way of feeling your best, um, living your best life? And if so, is that something that you want to work on? And who can you surround yourself with? who can you surround yourself with that can help support you in that journey? Yeah, I love that. I think that's great advice. That first one you touched on with just finding a healthcare team that you like feel comfortable around. That's huge. Like no one ever really talks about that. And that's like so important. Yeah. And that can be, that can be really, really life changing for somebody that has PCOS for sure for anybody, but especially if somebody has PCOS. And I should mention too, um, when we're talking about mental health, really utilizing a therapist, um, that can be so key. And I find that there's such a stigma around therapy, but a lot of the experiences related to PCOS can be really traumatic, whether that is struggling with infertility, experiencing weight stigma in medical care. Um, Something that a lot of my clients have experienced is maybe growing up, they were at a higher weight compared to their siblings or they experienced weight gain in adolescence. And so their parents, although they had good intentions, really focused on their weight, maybe wouldn't let them have second servings of food or wouldn't let them have snacks and they were hungry. And it really shaped the way they feel about themselves and their body and food. And I think working with a therapist who specializes in that can really, really be life-changing. Um, so change it for sure. I'm a huge fan of therapy. Yeah. Therapy is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Right, exactly. Well, and if you think about it, um, going to a therapist is giving you a chance to talk to a neutral party who's been trained in helping you think things through and figure things out. And I know when I've been to therapy, there have been things that I've been struggling with. And in one session, the therapist might suggest something or explain something in a way that I've just, I've just never thought about it before. So it can be so beneficial. Exactly. I a hundred percent agree with that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
All right. And then the last topic I kind of want to talk about with you is exercise and physical activity. Cause I know there's a lot of misconception when it comes to this as well with PCOS. Mm-hmm. So what's the best type of exercise for someone with PCOS? I know everyone's different. Um, so it's going to vary. And then what should someone with PCOS kind of steer away from? Right. Well, I know a lot of people hate it when dietitians say this, but it really just depends on you and how you're feeling and um, individual symptoms. Um, I think a really popular piece of advice is to everyone should avoid all intense exercise with PCOS. And that is not always the case. I've heard Um, that so much. Right, right. And the reason for that is because PCOS is an inflammatory condition. And if you have excess inflammation and you're doing a really intense exercise, your body may not really be able to, to recover from the intensity of that um, exercise. But that doesn't always have to be the case. Um, So really looking out for signs and symptoms of inflammation. How are you feeling after the workout? Like, do you feel great? Are you sleeping well? Or are you fatigued? Are you waking up in the middle of the night? Do you notice your symptoms getting worse as you're exercising? Um, I have had clients who have seen a difference in hair growth or acne um, or fatigue when they have backed off um, on the intensity of their exercise, but that does not mean that everyone has to. But this kind of goes back to, I think, a really big piece of PCOS um, treatment is really allowing you and giving you the space to trust your body and understand the signals that your body's telling you. Um, So if you're following a workout plan that completely detaches you from the ability to listen to your body, if you're feeling like you have to check a box by following specific workouts. Um, So that's the main thing. Um, Yoga has been found to be really beneficial for hormone balance, improving insulin resistance, decreasing stress. So that's always one that I recommend if you find yoga enjoyable. Um, I think another thing too is just overall movement. I mean, we have studies that show that walking in 10 minute increments can improve insulin resistance. Walking is accelerated. Yeah. And so like, if you're somebody that is really avoiding exercise because you dread going to the gym or you dread doing something that is more moderate, Um, you know, just see how you feel by just getting up and moving if you're primarily sedentary, if that's an area that you want to work on. Right. It, it, everything varies depending on the person, but that's a huge thing that I've heard, um, is the whole high intensity, stay away from it and stuff. So I'm really glad to hear you say that that's not necessarily the case for everyone with PCOS, because I feel like that's something that gets stuck in people's brains. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think another thing to, to piggyback on the exercise conversation is, you know, if you're experiencing extreme fatigue or um, extreme sleep issues, give yourself permission to like not stress out about exercise and instead focus on whatever is going to help you feel your best. Yeah, exactly. Like that goes for anyone like PCOS or not, honestly, because 
for me yesterday, I woke up in the morning, I did my morning routine and I did like a morning yoga flow that I like to do. Normally it's just like 15, 20 minutes that I do on my own. And then I had planned to go on a run last night after I got everything done. And I was so exhausted by the end of the day. I mm-hmm. was like, nope, I can't do it tonight. I'll just, it'll be okay. I'll do something later. And I re- remember thinking laying in bed last night, two years ago, I would have pretty much felt like shit laying in bed after not doing that. And I would have felt so guilty. And I was just kind of like, so thankful for where I am now. And I'm like, okay, I was able to just like, let that go. And like, it's okay that I didn't go on my run, like it's perfectly fine. And so that's like something that it's not only just with people with PCOS, like figuring out what you personally enjoy to do and then not feeling guilty when you don't do something you were quote supposed to do is huge. And that's, it comes from a lot of a mental aspect as well. Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, with movement and nutrition and everything, um, give yourself flexibility to change your mind, listen to your body, maybe whether it's an exercise or like a meal that you planned. If if you decide you don't want to eat that meal, that's okay. You can eat something else. I mean, um, we don't perfect. Right. We don't have to make things so black and white. And honestly, the black and white thinking is typically what sets us up for failure and really like detaches us from being able to listen to our body and really enjoy making changes if they make us feel better. Right. Have Mm -hmm. flexibility. And and honestly, you'll be so much happier for it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think like, exactly. And with PCOS, so many people I work with experience chronic fatigue mm-hmm. that really just addressing that, whether they're having an underlying thyroid issue or insulin resistance, or are they struggling with depression, whatever it is, um, addressing that first. I mean, sometimes I'll spend a month or two months working on just that issue. And then somebody may say, okay, this has improved so much. I want to be active. Like I went on a walk and it felt great. And like, that's really the type of movement that I recommend focusing on. That's a huge one. Yeah. Not focusing on beating yourself up because you're planning a workout and and you don't want to do it or it doesn't make you feel good. Exactly. That's me. Well, I think that's a great note to end this conversation on. Um, I have learned so much from listening to you talk about this because like I tell you, like whatever I told you before, like I like to bring on people that are special to special specialize in other topics that I'm not really that knowledgeable about. And you have made me so much more knowledgeable about PCOS just in this short conversation. So I've learned so much and thank you so much for coming on and talking about this with me. It was a great conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this conversation and um, anybody listening, if they want to come hang out with me on Instagram, I would love to meet you. Yeah. So what I like to do to end um, every episode with a guest is just ask you like three fun questions just for everyone listening to try to get to know you a little bit more. Oh gosh. Okay. (laughs) They're really easy. I promise. So my first question is what's your favorite food? Oh, hmm. well, I love spaghetti. I love spaghetti. And I also love a good steak, especially in the summer. Um, Grilled steak with a glass of red wine. There you go. This is a perfect combination. 
<laughs> and then my second question is what's your favorite physical activity or form of exercise right now? Um, well, right now I'm recovering from the coronavirus. So honestly, oh, no, are you really? <laughs> yeah. oh, that's I'm funny. The, I remember you said that in the email. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. I'm on the tail end of recovering from it. And I was actually, um, exposed almost two months ago. So I felt really exhausted. So I'm heeding my own advice. That's something that I would tell a client. And I have just been resting, trying to sleep, focusing on not being stressed out. Cause one of the main symptoms that I had was actually breathing issues. Oh um, so I have not been doing anything active at all. Um, and I'm okay with that because right. Um, outside of, <laughs> right. So yeah. much more you're doing so much better though. You're on the, you're on the outside of it now coming on the other end. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, but prior to that, I really love cycling. Um, I have a road bike and I have a mountain bike and I just, I really, really enjoy doing that and being outside. So, um, that's definitely my preferred form of movement. And prior to the virus, um, our local Y had a yin yoga class that really just focuses on like holding poses and deep stretching and my husband and I would do that every Sunday and I just loved that and looked forward to it because it was just, it was good physically, but also mentally. Yeah. I love that your husband goes and does yoga with you. That's so much fun. Yeah. It, um, it was a fun Sunday routine because our Y is right beside a really good pizza place. So we would do a yin yoga class and then we would go get pizza and it was like our Sunday. We both work a lot. So it, it was nice to do something like that together. So okay, you're in Charlotte. Are you at the Y that's off of like Moorhead? Yeah. Oh, I know exactly where you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. The Dow, the Dow, they, um, yeah. they, for people listening, not familiar with Charlotte, they redid one of our YMCAs. It's pretty close to us and they Chat just did um, everything, right? Yeah, they did yeah. a massive <laughs> renovation, but the yoga studio in there is so nice. Oh my gosh. Um, I'll have to check that out next time I'm home. That's awesome. I didn't realize they had a yoga studio in there. Oh yeah, it is a really, really nice yoga studio. They have a a bar studio, a cycling room. It's it's really nice. So yeah, you said the pizza place, and I remember there's like one like right down. The, it's newer, right? It yeah, it's called um, it's called Capiche. That's it. Yeah, I wanted to say Caprese, but Capiche. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's fun. That's hilarious. Small world. <laughs> and then the last question is, what keeps you motivated to do what you do and just like work with your clients and stuff? Um, I think what keeps me motivated is just seeing my clients have successes and meet their goals, um, especially when their goals are really centered around living happier, um, more fulfilled lives. I think a lot of times when you have a condition where people are just telling you you need to lose weight, it causes you to really stress out about food all the time. And that takes up so much mental energy. So helping my clients not only improve some of their PCOS symptoms, but really be able to let go of this fear and worry around food to focus on more important things is really fulfilling for me. So as long as I'm continuing to meet people that need help in that area, that will definitely keep me going in my business because I, I really enjoy it. I love that. I just love hearing people's why. I think it's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, thank you so much again. Do you just kind of want to plug yourself here um, and let everyone know where they can go follow you and if they want to work with you, how to get in touch? And I'll make sure to list everything that Sam says in the show notes so you guys can just like go straight to it and click it as well. Right. Yeah. So um, on Instagram, my handle is PCOS.nutritionist. Um, that's definitely the easiest way to find me, whatever I have going on um, at the time. I will advertise it on my Instagram. I do offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, I do also offer a group program. I do have it structured so people can get that individualized yeah. um, advice that they need. Um, so my website also is ggnutritionco.com. Uh, my nutrition private practice is G&G &G Nutrition Company. So um, yeah, feel free to reach out to me, say hello. I would love it on Instagram if you sent me a DM, if, if you heard anything in this episode that you enjoyed or that resonated with you. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure plenty of people have questions. So feel free to reach out to Sam and ask her any of those questions. You could try to reach out to me and ask me some questions about PCOS, but I might <laughs> direct you towards Sam. I might be like, oh, I heard. <laughs> So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you again. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you. And then thank you everyone to listening. I will talk to you all again next Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening. I love you all and appreciate your support so much. I'll be uploading a new episode every Wednesday. So make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. Follow my Instagram and TikTok at Nutrition by Lex for more information and health inspiration.